Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm excited that you're listening this morning. Well, this morning we're going to be interviewing one of our very own here at Fort Lewis College, Dr. Justin McBrayer. We're going to be discussing the atheistic accusation that theism, that believing in God, hinders the good life. This is an accusation that you'll hear often from different people in the secular community. They'll say things like, if you believe in God, you cannot possibly be intellectually honest, or if you believe in God, you have ulterior motives for doing good things and for doing good to others, or if you believe in God, you cannot pursue your dreams and achieve personal happiness, you don't have true freedom, they'll make all sorts of different accusations that really boil down to the accusation that believing in God keeps you from having fun in life, that believing in God keeps you from the good life, that believing in God keeps you from intellectual fulfillment, etc., 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 We hear these accusations so often. For example, and I mentioned it just briefly a minute ago, when the atheist says that morality is based in evolution, even if they were right, even if they were, and I don't believe they are in that claim, but even if they were, I don't believe that that would give an objective basis for morality. I believe God provides that basis. They would then accuse me, though, of saying, Well, I only do what I do so that I don't get punished by God in the afterlife. Dr. McBrayer is going to address that very accusation and many more on today's show. I hope you get a lot out of what he has to say. A few months back, I did a show on the intellectual emptiness of atheism, and I discussed how the atheist criticizes the theist and the Christian, saying that we cannot be intellectually satisfied. I made the case on that show that we can be more intellectually satisfied than any atheist ever could be. This show is going to pick up where that one left off a bit, and it's going to continue to discuss the atheistic accusation and why it's wrong. This is just part one of a two-part interview with Dr. McBrayer, who teaches philosophy here at Fort Lewis College. This week, he'll be rebutting that atheistic argument and explaining why it's not the case that theism hinders and hampers the good life. He'll be explaining next week why theism actually provides a better life and why faith in Christ can provide a better life. So today is going to be a little bit of a different type of show. We're not going to be getting into the evidence for faith in Christ and so forth. We're going to be taking a bit of a different angle and dealing with the atheistic accusation that theism hinders the good life. I know you're going to enjoy the interview, so let's cut right to it. Here's the interview from a few weeks ago, airing for the first time on The God Solution. We're in the studio today with Dr. Justin McBrayer of the Fort Lewis Philosophy Department, and he recently spoke on how theism impacts the quote-unquote good life, and his talk was a little bit of a response to Professor Dougald Owen's talk last semester on how theism hurts the good life, and I thought it'd be interesting to have him on. We're not going to be talking about evidence for theism, evidence for faith, evidence for God, things like that today. We're rather going to be talking about how belief in God affects you as a person. 
and whether it affects you positively or negatively. Of course, the atheist will say that it affects you negatively, that you can't be intellectually satisfied, that you can't enjoy life to its fullest, that you can't have correct motives in your altruism and so forth. I think those statements are wrong, and I think we have just the perfect person to explain why those statements are wrong. So, Dr. McBrayer, thanks so much for being on The God Solution today. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, you know, this issue connects with an issue that Blaise Pascal raised uh, back in the modern period. There's one question about whether or not we have evidence that there's a God or evidence that belief in God is reasonable or something like that. But Pascal says there are other interesting questions that we might ask, like what's in it for us if we believe in God? Maybe there are reasons to believe that God exists that are disconnected from things like evidence and truth. And he explored some of those reasons. And so I think it's worth doing the same today. Absolutely. And we've all heard of Pascal's Wager. And obviously, I don't think that is something that's good evidence for God. But golly, it's a good way to think about the evidence once it's been presented to you. And I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this topic. So getting started, why do some people think that theists are being intellectually dishonest? Right. So there might be a number of different complaints that you would raise that might show that the theistic life is deficient in certain ways. And one of the most common complaints um, that you might hear says something to the effect that theists are just being intellectually dishonest. You know, when we look around the world, we don't see any clear evidence of God's existence. Surely if there were a God, he could come down and write in the sky, you know, I'm here, worship me. But we don't see that. When we look at the arguments for the existence of God, most people come away thinking, eh, you know, there's, they're not totally persuasive um, to be charitable. And so some people think that as a result, given that there's no clear evidence, given that there are no arguments that are obviously sound, people who believe in God anyway must be committing some kind of intellectual dishonesty. They really know better, but in some ways they're lying to themselves or they're self-deceived or something like that. Um, Dugald, one of my colleagues here in the department, thinks that something like that is right, and he thinks that being a, the- a theist represents what he calls being uh, uh, committing a genuine, a genuine cognitive failure. And I think there's at least two things that are, that are wrong with this claim that theists are somehow being intellectually dishonest. One, it seems to make this assumption that unless you have an argument for a claim, it's dishonest to believe it. And that assumption uh, is problematic on any number of levels. I mean, think of how many of the things that we think are reasonable to believe, even if we don't have clear arguments for them. So here's some examples. It's possible that the world end tomorrow. I had lunch yesterday. No claim could be both true and false at the same time. I'm not in the matrix right now. There are objective moral facts. All of those are things that a lot of folks believe, atheists and theists alike. And most of us would say that those beliefs are reasonable. But we would be very hard-pressed to line out a valid argument for any of those claims. So here are examples of claims that are reasonable to believe, and they're big worldview-type claims, but claims for which we have no clear argument. So it's a mistake to look at theism and say, well, gosh, there are no valid arguments for the existence of God, no sound arguments for the existence of God, so that kind of belief must be unreasonable. That just relies on that false assumption. The second problem is that Uh, It's just too much to note that someone disagrees with you, and so they must be dishonest as a result. 
I mean, the simple fact of the matter is the world just appears different to different people. Just because someone disagrees with you about the existence of God doesn't imply all by itself that that person's being dishonest. Maybe that person has evaluated the evidence. Maybe that person has looked at the world and just deep down, it seems like the world is governed by a mind like God. Or for atheists, maybe it seems like it's not. But in either case, there's no dishonesty going on. People just come at the world um, with different views and different agendas. Absolutely. I think there's a little bit of an ad hominem attack when we hear this from atheists. I have never looked at atheist friends or debated atheists who I assumed were being dishonest about their atheism. I always look at them and think the world of them, think they're great people, and think that looking at similar evidence, they've come to different conclusions. So I always think it's awkward when they kind of turn the tables and come up with the opposite criticism of myself and people like you. So on that note, some atheists say that theists are blind to the true nature of reality. You kind of touched on this, but why do they say that they're blind to the true nature of reality? Well, so another complaint might be, well, look, here's how theism makes your life worse. You live your life thinking that the world is a certain way, that it's governed by um, a god, in this case, a being that's perfectly good and perfectly powerful, and you just blind yourself to the true nature of the world, which, as we all know, is a world that was just created out of random chaos that is not governed by a mind and so forth. So if you're a non-theist, you look at theists and you think, geez, you guys are really missing the boat. The world is nothing like what you think it is. Now, if they're right... If they're right that there is no God, then there's a sense in which theists are living a lie. But of course, the reverse could also be true, right? If theism is right, then it's the non-theists who are living a lie. So it doesn't seem to me here that there's a unique problem with theism. And if you think there's a problem with theism, then you owe an explanation for why it is that theism is mistaken. Otherwise, you just beg the question. So it's not enough just to say, here's what's wrong with theism. They get the world wrong. Theists think the exact same thing about people who are non-theists. So again, there's no unique problem here for theism. In a debate with an atheist here on the campus about five, six years ago, I forget exactly when it was, right over in Noble Hall, I asked him if there's no objective morality, would it be okay for me to shove a large knife through your stomach? And he said, it would be unpleasant, but I couldn't say that it would be wrong. Of course, repeating the atheistic mantra that there is no objective morality. They might try to find a basis in some other area. I've always criticized that aspect of one of the features of atheism that is untenable, if you want to use that word, but they kind of flip it on us as well. So many non-theists think that theism requires an untenable view of morality and that our roles as moral agents are simply a product of our belief or of something we might get out of it, so to say. Can you explain where they're at with this issue? Yeah, so let me say actually a couple different things. Um, so I'm going to try to chart kind of a middle course between two ways of thinking about this. On the one hand, there are people, maybe you share this view, it seemed like you did just a moment ago, share the view that uh, if there's no God, there are no moral facts or something like this. The idea is that if there are moral facts, there are facts that are determined by God or something like this. So in other words, um, there are people who think that you couldn't have morality without God. They're sort of a package deal. Some theists think that's true. Um, some atheists also think that's true. And that's how I think they end up endorsing a kind of atheism where there's no such thing as right or wrong. 
Most atheists, at least most that are philosophically sophisticated, don't take that view. Most of them think that God and morality are two separate issues, and you could have you could take the one on and not the other. So the the guy that you m- must have interviewed here must have thought that they were some kind of package deal where you couldn't understand reasons for acting one way or the other morally unless there were a God. So if you hold that kind of view, then you can kind of see one of the kind of complaints that atheism uh, or atheists might raise against theism. Atheists uh, sometimes say things like, look, you theists are committed to a view about morality that says something like, the only thing that's wrong with killing people is that God told you not to do it. If you've taken a philosophy course, um, this is a view that's often described as divine command theory, right? Where it's a particular view in normative ethics that says what makes things wrong is that God's prohibited them. And atheists, in my view, rightly, uh, criticize that particular view. In my view, if you believe in God, there are all kind of reasons not to hurt your children, Maybe the fact that God prohibited it is one of those reasons, but it doesn't exhaust the reasons that you have. But to sort of get in and Dougald, my colleague's um, mindset, when he gave his talk, he said, look, when you theists debate whether or not you ought to do a particular course of action, it looks like what you're really interested in is protecting your own skin. You're thinking, gosh, if there's a God, I better not do this because I'll get punished in the afterlife for doing that. And he thinks, that's cheap. Surely you should feed your children and treat your spouse kindly and not kill people because of what it does or doesn't do for them, regardless of what this third party wants of you. And so when I was trying to respond to him in my talk, uh, what I tried to point out was that theism all by itself doesn't bring with it any particular normative theory. There are philosophical theists who are utilitarians about ethics. There are some who are Kantians. There are some who are libertarians and think that we have rights. There are some who are virtue theorists. Um, But it's unfair for the non-theist to sort of package theism with one particular normative view and then criticize theism because they're critical of that particular normative view. Theism could be paired with any number of normative views, and it doesn't have to be paired with something um, like divine command theory that many people find objectionable. So I would agree with that. I think that at the end of the day, objective and ultimate moral truth is what it is because of how God exists. His very nature gives us a standard for right and wrong. But of course, there are so many other ways to verify whether something is right or wrong. And there are so many other good reasons for doing right. I think all those exist within that theistic framework. And it is interesting to hear the criticism against theists that the only reason we do something is because of potential consequences for ourselves. Of course, I think, like Jesus said, the ultimate fulfillment of the law is in loving him and loving others as ourselves. So it's not just checking things off the list, but truly putting others as good above my own which is something that I know in the talk that you referenced, uh, that didn't come up. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR 91.9 and 93.9 FM here in Durango and KDUR.org online. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're listening to an interview by Dr. Justin McBrayer, philosophy professor here at Fort Lewis College, and he's describing why the atheist accusation that theism hinders the good life is wrong. 
I hope you'll tune in for the rest of the show. So, another common complaint about theism, or the religious life, is that it directs our focus to the wrong place. For example, it directs our focus to God, not to our fellow men. And is it right, do you think, uh, that they accuse theists of this, or is there a problem with that? So the idea is something like this. Non-theists look at the world and they see a lot of problems. They, th- they see things that we could be doing to make the world a better place. And at least some non-theists say, and what are you theists doing about this? You're going to church and you're looking up at the heavens and you're spending all your time worshiping you know, this fiction in the sky when you could be helping your fellow man. So the idea is that we've sort of put our allegiance in the wrong place. Some philosophers have raised complaints like this. Bertrand Russell had a complaint that was similar to this. So this is something that um, is is at least common in some of the kind of criticisms of what the theistic life would be. And I actually think the point that you made just a moment ago is at least one way of rebutting that complaint. As a matter of fact, the religious life often amounts to loving your neighbor as yourself, at least in, in uh, Christian and Jewish and Islamic permutations of theism. That's a big part of what it means to love God. So it's not as if theists are cloistering themselves off and just focusing all of their time in prayer or something like that. They actually love God by loving their fellow man. And it's if that's what theistic worship amounts to, then it's hard to see that the non-theistic complaint is realistic. And ultimately, I have a reason to love my fellow man, not just because it could be a good thing to do, and ultimately, if naturalism is true, then who's to say that's any better than any other option? But God himself has told me to love others like myself, and so I feel compelled on a daily basis to carry that out in my interactions with others. I agree with you. So on all this, are there any other arguments that come to mind as far as what an atheist would say makes theism bad or wrong or unhelpful? Well, just commenting on that that last bit, I mean, I think you're right that at least on some conceptions of God, theists have an extra reason to care about their fellow man. Um, Whether or not the theist has or the the non-theist has any reason to do so just depends on in my view, the, the viability of moral theories, whether or not we can construct a moral theory that shows that rational beings like ourselves have reasons to care about the welfare of other people. Um, and that's an ongoing project in philosophy. Um, but ultimately, it should be one that theists are concerned with, too. I think it would be really bad if theism ends up having to say something like, the only reason we have to feed our children is because God told us to do so. And if God changed his mind, then suddenly we wouldn't have a reason to do that. So I think all of us have skin in the game on trying to explain moral theories and why it is that we all have reasons to behave in particular ways, even if it's true that theists might have an extra reason um, because of the commands of God or something like that. And I would say that gives it an objective basis. That I mean, I look at all the moral theories that are out there, and that's what seems to be lacking. Of course, when I look at things like evolutionary concepts of morality. It's possible that some sort of evolutionary concept could tell us why we feel certain ways about certain things, but how that would give an objective basis and 
and accountability for doing those things, I think, escapes a lot of those theorists. But it's something that we should all consider and that we should all be involved in. Yeah, I think so. And I actually think it's tricky cashing out what we mean by objective. So this is a word we've used several times so far in the interview, and it's actually not clear what that means. What would make a rule objective? I mean, here's at least one kind of first pass. A rule's objective when the rule doesn't depend on any subject, right? If, if it takes a subject to make the fact hold in some way, then it's not an objective fact, it's a subjective one. But if that's the way we understand objective, then whatever God does wouldn't be objective either because God's another subject like us with beliefs and desires and so forth. What you would have done there is you would have just changed the story. You would have said, well, it's not what your culture believes that makes something right. It's what God believes. But I mean, you're just changing the story from one subject to another subject. So we'll have to define objective really carefully um, so that you know, you kind of get the results that moral rules or moral principles turn out to be truly objective in the sense that you're intending. So any other arguments for why theism hampers the good life that you've heard from atheists? I mean, in some sense, maybe the biggest complaint is just that it doesn't allow for a meaningful life. Uh, there's some sense in which, since we're autonomous beings it's important for us to be able to set our own goals and arrange our lives in such a way that they're meaningful. And some people seem to think that if you're a theist, you take on all of your meaning or your meaning or what makes life valuable is sort of handed to you or packaged or given to you in some way that's bad, in some way that detracts from the overall quality of your life. And somehow your life would be more meaningful and freeing if you were in charge. So I think that's at least one way to understand what some of the French existentialists were up to. The idea is that we have to have this radical freedom to chart our own course. And if we don't have that, then somehow your life is less meaningful. Um, that's never really struck me as the right way to cash out what would make a life meaningful. I guess I'd have to hear more about what that means. But if you mean meaningful in the sense that you would live a good life, I think it's plausible that theism doesn't just um, doesn't undermine the good life, but might even enhance it. I recently watched a short video of Dr. William Provine talking about how if you're a theist, there is supposed ultimate meaning and there's a supposed objective morality and all this. And he said, as an atheist, we don't have any of that, but at least I'm intellectually fulfilled and at least I can consider the facts on their own basis and at least I... He tried to make a lot of the arguments that you've kind of crystallized for us that we often hear from the other side. And I think it was a good way to start out this interview. We'll be having you again next week to discuss the counter to this argument, how theism improves our lives and how it contributes to a good life. But I think when we hear statements like that, they're statements that should be taken seriously and should be addressed. And I think it's been good to have you address those. So I guess another question that I'd ask is, does theism hamper the good life? Kind of a summary question about the criticism that theism hampers the good life. Yes or no? Uh, I think that there's no good case to be made that it does. And if, again, you think of this quote that you just read, what he basically says is, it hampers the, theism hampers the good life because you give up a bunch of stuff in exchange for a lie. 
But theists are going to say exactly the same thing to non-theists. So this just gets back to this question about whether one side or the other is being intellectually dishonest and whether one side or the other is getting to the truth. So when, when this gentleman stands up and say, but at least I'm honest and can be intellectually fulfilled, um, he's assuming that the theistic worldview is one that's been uh, discounted or disproven or has evidence against or whatever. And I think he owes us a burden of proof that he hasn't discharged. Absolutely, for sure. Well, Dr. McBrayer, before we close out this week's show, and again, we're going to talk next week about how theism improves the good life, I wanted to ask a little bit more about you. So how can people find more about you? I heard a rumor that you've recently written a book, and I know that you're a professor here at Fort Lewis. I'm sure you'd like to invite students to take classes with you and so forth. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on now and how people could get to know a little bit more about you. Yeah, our philosophy department here is uh, really dynamic and engaging. We have a really interesting philosophy club that brings in speakers from really all over the world. Uh, we had Dr. John Schellenberg, who teaches in Canada. He was here uh, a couple weeks ago giving a talk on skeptical religion. So his view is a really interesting one. He thinks that both theists and atheists have it wrong. Theists are too confident about things that they shouldn't be confident about, and atheists are too confident about things they shouldn't be confident about. And he tries to uh, to propose what you might think of as a middle way, a way of practicing a religion and maybe accepting some religious claims, even if you're not quite to the point where you could say that you know those claims or believe those claims or something like that. Next week, actually, we have uh, a philosopher from the University of Michigan giving a talk on quantum mechanics. Uh, her view is one in that, that suggests that even if quantum mechanics were true, we wouldn't be able to know it. Uh, so we have a dynamic philosophy club. There are three uh, members of the philosophy department, Sarah roberts Katie, She's an expert in ethics and feminist philosophy and continental philosophy. Dr. Dougald Owen that you mentioned earlier, who's an expert in philosophy of mind, language, epistemology. And then me, and I do a lot of my work in philosophy of religion and metaphysics. Um, you can go to the philosophy department homepage, and you'll see a schedule of philosophy club talks and events. And there are links to um, faculty pages for all the members of the faculty where you can find some papers that we've written and talks that we've given. I've been thoroughly impacted and I would say have loved the philosophy department here. I probably took five or six classes with Dougal Owen back when I was in college here at Fort Lewis College. And you have even allowed me to come and speak to the philosophy club and Dougal had me speak to his atheism class last semester. So I really appreciated uh, how all of you have been at the philosophy department. Thanks again. My pleasure. So, believing in God does not hinder the good life. The accusation by the atheist that we as believers cannot enjoy the good life because of our faith is absolutely wrong. Next week, tune in to hear more about why theism actually provides a much better avenue to the good life and it allows us to experience the good life in a way that atheism never would. But for today, as we discuss this issue, I want to remind you of what Jesus said. Jesus claimed that he offers the good life, the abundant life, a life lived above circumstances, above all the different issues around us, a life of meaning and purpose and ultimate fulfilling and this is a life that no atheistic perspective could ever provide. And that all goes back to what Jesus also claimed. He claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. And he claimed that there was no other way, no other truth, no other life. He said that anyone who puts their faith and trust in him would be given eternal life in heaven and an abundant life 
here on this planet, that they would be adopted into his family. If you've never taken that step, I want to ask you this morning to come to him and to put your faith in him, to say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are and that you can offer what you promise to offer. I ask you to come into my life to forgive my sins, to be my Savior and Lord, and to make me the kind of person that you want me to be. He says he'll actually do that, and that he'll come into you, and that he'll give you this abundant life that we're talking about, and so much more, an eternity with him in heaven. I pray that you'll take that step today. I'd like to invite you to connect this week. We're going to be meeting in Noble 125 at 6 p.m. Again, that's Noble 125 at 6 p.m. Come at 5.30 for pizzas if you want to hang out a little bit early. I'd also invite you to visit a church this morning. This morning, you could visit various churches here in town. Go to GodSolutionShow.com. That's GodSolutionShow.com to see a list of local churches. Again, tune in next week for the second part of our interview with Dr. Justin McBrayer. We'll be discussing the reasons that theism actually leads to the good life. Again, this week we talked about why the atheistic accusation is false. Next week we'll be going to the next level and talking about why theism actually is the path to a better life than atheism. Remember, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday afternoon.